In therapy and in music, the baseline informs where we go to next. This is the show that examines the present state of music therapy and asks, where to from here? Welcome to Baselines with Joe Thompson. This podcast was made on the lands of the Darug people. Welcome to Baselines, everyone. This is our first ever episode. I'm incredibly excited that you're here for the journey, and I hope you enjoy our first ever chat. Our first guest is Shay Davison. Shay is a registered music therapist and neurologic music therapist. Shay is a casual academic with Western Sydney University for the Masters of Creative Music Therapy course. Shay is currently working predominantly with children through to adults of all abilities in an allied health setting at MacArthur Allied Health Services. In conjunction with the clinical director of the business, Shay created a music therapy role within the clinic in 2019, which is now equated to a permanent full-time role. Shay has since progressed to being the executive of the music therapy department within the clinic. Shay is passionate about using her voice therapeutically, creating an inclusive therapeutic space and celebrating the strengths of her clients. Shay, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to have you on. Tell me what a typical day looks like in your workplace. Uh, so a typical day in my workplace is always so different, um, but predominantly working with children through to adults uh, with disabilities and then using music to work to their goals. Um, I prepare sessions, write notes, do reports. Um, I also organize some other music therapy staff as well, and then also organize some professional development um, throughout my day. So each day is quite different. And what are some of the challenges of being an RMT in that particular context? Um, I think for me, uh, mainly music therapy is so like relatively new um, in in the world and kind of what we're doing. So there's not a lot of us in the field, like compared to other disciplines. Yeah. So imagine that you're in a position where you would need to advocate and maybe even educate the rest of your team about what music therapy is, as well as the clients. Yeah, definitely. I actually see um, like advocating as a really uh, positive thing. I actually really enjoy it. And I think that's also how my role came to be um, where I work. Um, So it was actually, um, they didn't have music therapy before I was there. So I did have to advocate and do an in-service and say, you know, this is why you need me. um, And this is what I can bring to the team. And I think that's just kind of blossomed and it's been such a positive thing. And I, I, um, I love to kind of educate people about what music therapy is so I see that as part of my role as a music therapist and something that I look forward to doing um, because it's something I do almost every day. If you don't mind I'd be really interested to hear exactly what you do say when you advocate and what you think that music therapy brings to a setting that already has some very highly trained professionals in it. Um, They would be able to address their clients goals in a very scientific and targeted way. What does music therapy bring that's unique in that sort of a context? 
I think music therapy is so unique because we can work on similar goals. We do work across, you know, physical skills, emotional skills, communication, emotional expression, lots of these key words that fall under lots of other disciplines. Um, The difference with us is that we do provide a level of motivation for our clients. So music is quite a, it's a universal thing. Everyone understands music. We understand there's a start, middle and end. Um, Music structured. um, So it can allow for clients to engage more readily. So I guess music is um, is just a different way that we can work on these skills. And as music therapists, we're so adaptable. So we work really well alongside other people. We're willing to learn and to work on the same goals, but providing a different level and a different sensory medium um, to these goals as well. I think there's uh, there's both in the science of it and in the motivation side of it as well, I believe, like from my perspective. But um You know, I see a lot of, um, I see clients that may have already been seeing another discipline um, in the clinic. So I can, I can look at that from like a firsthand experience. So say, for example, a client who may have difficulties with communication and they've been seeing a speech pathologist for quite some time and maybe they've hit um, a roadblock with their therapies and they, um, they're not making progress or, you know, it's finding difficult to continue the learning with that. Um, In music therapy, you can then work on those speech-related goals, um, but also use the science of music to promote vocalizations, to use a different part of the brain to actually um, promote that talking. And I've actually had that experience where in speech pathologists, I had a client who wasn't necessarily um, vocalizing, but in music therapy with using anticipation in the music, I was able to get some of these vocalizations. Um, then you have that um, the growth in the family dynamic, dynamic because you see the first for some of these kids as well. Um, so we can see that in that situation, the motivation of music um, was, uh, well, for this particular client, music was motivating, but then we also have the science of what are we using in the music to promote that, um, that to actually happen. That brings me to something else I wanted to talk about. In your mind, is there a clear distinction between where your role starts and the other allied health service professionals begins? Um, Do you know what your scope is and it's fairly set? Or is that something that changes from client to client and can be flexible regarding different goals? Um, Is is there ever any times when maybe you step on each other's toes and um, someone is working on something that's maybe a bit counterproductive to your work? And is that something that you have to negotiate much? Um, not really. Um, I think it depends entirely on the relationships you build with other clinicians as well. I think that's really important. Um, where I'm at, um, everyone that I work with and work closely with, we're all very open with each other. So we're very, um, happy to share and to learn from each other. We session, like if we have a joint client, we session plan together, um, so that we know exactly, okay, this is the speech goal. This is the music goal. This is the intervention from your perspective. This is how I'm going to add the music to your intervention. So working really closely and understanding um, that it's not um, personal and just working out, okay, let's make sure you're in your lane, I'm in my lane, and how can this work together? Um, In regard to the other part of your question about the scope of practice, I think that is something that I'm still kind of um, learning about as I go through, and it's something that I believe is quite flexible. Um, Obviously, you know, we we have to be careful in regard to the psychology side of the work, I feel, Um, just knowing where that ends and when we need to make sure that we provide necessary support and when to refer on and things like that, Um, because I do believe that that um, 
there is a point where music stops and psychology begins um, in in the sense of obviously more high risk clients. Um, And that just could be um, where I'm located and that I do have access to psychologists on site. Um, And I'm just very wary about my my role with that as well, um, because obviously the number one thing is to make sure that our clients are safe and at the forefront of what we're doing. So I guess um, in regard to OT and speech, I think um, the scope is a little bit more flexible, I suppose, with um, different sensory things that we can do and different speech interventions. Um, But yeah, we just need to check in with ourselves and make sure that we know exactly what the goal is and how music is playing a role in achieving that goal. So one thing that I'm really interested in and one of the reasons why I've started this podcast actually is how do you think music therapy needs to develop as a discipline into the future? And particularly, I think you'd have a very interesting point of view on this because you are working alongside disciplines that are have been established for a long time and have uh, a bit more of a rigorous history than music therapy might have Um, and in many ways we're sort of coming into our own right now at least in the way I see it Um, yeah do you think there's anything that we need to strive towards as an industry so that we can really comfortably sit alongside the other types of practice that you work with Absolutely. I think um, I think in general, we need further assessment tools um, to measure change over time and progress of our clients. I think that's a big gap that I see that all the other disciplines have. So having those assessments and those um, formalized standardized assessments. Um, I've, you know, I've just created my own pediatric assessment um, based on um, like developmental outcomes and things like that. Um, so if, you know, if I had any time and resources, I would be um, publishing that and getting that out to people so that they could use that. Um, Because I think that's the only way forward is to share um, and to build the profession by having these extra tools and assessments, because that's when we get a really good look in. When you can do an assessment um, and you can measure that change over time and you can prove that music therapy was the catalyst for change. I think um, that's something that's that we're missing a little bit and something that, yeah, something that we need moving forward. Yeah, I I am very interested in assessment and evaluation. I think you're spot on. And it's very heartwarming, actually, to hear that you've gone and developed your own. That would have been a lot of work um, and shows a lot of commitment and time. Tell me about the process of what it was like developing that tool. It was a long time, very, very long time. I think it took uh, like either six to 12 months. It's been something on my brain, I think, since finishing uni. Uh, But I have such an amazing mentor at at my work, the clinical director, and she's like pushed me to do this and to make something of it. And I think um, having her help with it all as well um, has been such a a, um, great thing to have. And I think... um, yeah, it just came down to understanding child development, understanding our role, um, and then creating something um, that we can measure change with. And I think um, I've only just finished it off um, as of like a couple of weeks ago. So um, now I'm moving to that stage where I start to use it with my clients and actually start to see and test it and see how that works and see what kind of data that we can extract from it. So um yeah, it's been a lot of work, a lot of research, um, and yeah, a lot of collaboration and understanding of, um, yeah, of child development. What about 
our actual practice? Um, is it just a matter of us being able to communicate and report on what we do? Or do we need to develop what happens inside the session room as well? I think we've got, I think we do well in what happens in the room. I think we're really successful in meeting our goals and meeting our clients where they're at. I think that's something that is a really big strength for us. I think it's the communication in how we describe um, what we're doing and how we how we articulate what progress they've made through music. I think we we can't be scared of sharing what we do. And I think sharing the exact interventions that we're doing, because I think that sometimes, maybe because it's new, we hold it close to our hearts that, you know, oh, this is, this is what I bring um, and I don't really want to show my hand too much. Um, but I think... I think that's the way forward. I think it's showing, no, like you can know what I do. This is what I do and this is how I re- achieve my goals. But this is me as a music therapist. That's obviously going to be different to you as a speech pathologist. And I think being able to share and articulate exactly what you're working on and the progress, I think that's the way forward. Um, and being able to collaborate with other disciplines as well, I think that's important. Um, so they see the role of music and what music um, can do. So I think communication and collaboration. Yeah, it seems to me that music therapists have always had a sense that we're doing something meaningful and that's probably been reflected back to us by the people we work with and the parents and the carers of the people we work with as well. But it's not an easy thing to necessarily communicate the value of what that is. Uh, We know it's meaningful, but we're not really sure how exactly. And uh, yeah, it's an ongoing, ongoing challenge to figure out exactly how to describe our work and the impact of it. Yeah, and it's magical. Like, like you know, I think that's something that is overlooked as well. Obviously, we have all of our goals and our, all, all our levels of development that we work on, um, all of our functional um, things that we're working to, towards, like the evidence-based, evidence-based practice. But underlying all of that, we have the extra tool of music in itself releasing those feel-good chemicals in the brain. You know, that's something that evidently happens as we work through our goals. Um, so I think it is important just to acknowledge that we are create, we are trying to create that sense of well-being through everything that we do as well. Um, so I think that music in itself is just so powerful in that sense. I wonder if there's a particular experience that you've had which has led to a really profound impact in a client's life. Uh, is there a particular story that comes to mind when I ask that question? Um, I think for me, it's an overall kind of um, experience that I see quite a lot um, because in music therapy, we are a strengths-based profession and we work very client-centered. So um, we're really working with a client's strengths. So seeing that growth in the family unit a lot um, and highlighting and celebrating those the child's strengths and seeing that bond families together um, and be excited for their children and things like that. Like I have, um, you know, um, sometimes when we do consultations and things like that, one of our questions might be, um, what is your child good at? And that sometimes can be really hard question for families to answer and something that can be quite confronting. And sometimes families can't articulate anything. And, you know, 
that's um, to me to then provide that space where your child is engaging and they're you know they're having um, fun and they're playing instruments and all these things and then the family see that oh they're good at this like they engage with this you build that family dynamic and you build that growth and I think that's something that I see a lot and something that has a really profound effect and you know and it does go in saying that um, you know, I started as a uh, part-time, um, only like three afternoons a week. And now I'm full-time with a wait list with over 30. So it's, you know, that word of mouth. And I've got a lot of families that are that word of mouth saying my child's in with, with Shay, like you should go too. And like, um, and I think that is a profound effect as well. Um, the profound impact that it's having on families enough for families to tell their nearest and dearest that they should go do it too. Um, so I think that's something that um, has really been profound as well. And it's interesting that you bring up being client-based as you speak about this. Is that something that you think is quite unique amongst the team that you work in or does it just look particularly unique as a music therapist? I think it looks unique as a music therapist. I believe that clinicians are very clued on as to whether we're being clinician-driven or client-driven. I think that's something that is a conscious decision and something that's made in the therapeutic space. But I believe as a music therapist, it can look different because we are tapping into that inner child and into that that musicality side of things. Like meeting the child where they're at is different in a music sense because we might echo their vocalisations or we might... Um, facilitate um, improvisations to hear the client and to support the client. So it's a little bit different the way that we approach that, but I think it is an active choice. Mm, Yeah, it's very interesting. And um, to change tack a little bit, you said that you're now at a point where you're hiring staff and I think you said that you're managing or part of the development of the team. And um, I'm just interested what sort of things you're finding out as you're doing that. And I assume that uh, the old adage is true that when you're teaching, you're learning as well. And um, in my experience, I find that as I manage a team in my work, um, it it allows me to be much more reflexive and and to gain a lot of insights and think about things that I wouldn't have otherwise thought of. Uh, Has that been your experience as well? Yeah, definitely. And um, managing is... um new to me. Um, so it's definitely something, even just managing in general is a different kind of skill. Um, learning to not have control over things as well. I think that's been something that, um, I'm learning too, just to kind of, um, to sit back in that and allow that to happen. Um, and I think, it's been a such a great learning opportunity because it really gets you to check in with yourself as well, um, making sure that you know exactly what you're doing and things like that. And like you said, um, well, like being able to articulate what you're doing means that you know exactly what it is that you're doing as well. Um, I think doing the professional development side of things, so creating the professional development and seeing um, what interest in different areas that people are wanting, I think that's been interesting Um to be able to facilitate some of that as well. So I guess it's all a learning curve, but um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And I think I thrive in that kind of area of, um, because I think um, that advocating for me is such a thing that I love to do. So being able to give back to a team um, and share my experiences and give them the skills and help with help with their development, I think is um, something that I'm feeling really passionate about and something I'm really excited for. 
All right, we'll, we'll come to the final kind of quick fire questions um, that I've got for you. So can you tell me, do you have a go-to therapy song or activity? This is a good one. And I think um, uh, it's a song called Sing With Me. So this song um, is like, it's really good for encouraging vocalizations and in particular like improvising. Um, so uh, particularly in this song on La. Um, but the, the anticipation within the song and like the predictable chord structure, um, it's a, quite a successful song for many clients. And I find that most clients that I do this with, they will vocalize when I want them to. So I think, um, yeah, that's my go-to, I would say. Good stuff. And what's one piece of advice you'd give yourself as a student at RMT, if you could? I think for me, going into the degree, being a vocal major, um, and learning guitar um, for my degree at in my master's. I think that was that was tricky for me because I obviously had a lot of learning to do um, to learn a new instrument. Um, so I would say to myself, don't underestimate the power of the voice within the therapeutic space um, because, you know, we get so many gains and so much engagement through the voice and through using the voice as a therapeutic tool. So I'd say don't underestimate the power of it. Yeah, wonderful. That's really interesting. And if you could work in absolutely any setting or population, whether it's one that music therapists currently work in or not, what would you choose? I'm going to be so boring. It's exactly it's exactly where I am. I'm so happy. And I think I mentioned it before, um, being able to see kids through to adults, like, you know, I could have back-to-back sessions and it could be like a three-year-old and then a 20-year-old and then a 14-year-old and then a 12-year-old. It's That to me is what I really wanted to do. And um, and I really like working across an array of diagnoses. So I work with, you know, um, people with autism or cerebral palsy all the way through to brain injury. So I really enjoy that um, that diverse population and being able to, you know, check my skills. Okay. I've got to move from autism to this now, um, being able to, to do that. And I, I really enjoy that aspect and I'm so lucky to work with such amazing people and have such great mentors that, you know, I'd, I, I'm happy. So I would say that, yeah, where I am. How boring to be happy. No, that's all right. We'll forgive you for that. <laughs> Good on your shade. And in one sentence, what is the best thing about music therapy? Such an annoying question, but what do you think? <laughs> it's a hard one. It's a hard one. Um, I would say the best thing about music therapy um, is its power to promote healing, learning, growth, creativity, and bonding all at the same time. Well said. Very nice. Look, thank you, Shay, so much for your time. Thank you for all the wisdom that you've shared. Um, very grateful for you jumping on this this wild project and this wacky idea of mine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for listening to Baselines. If you enjoyed the show, please hit follow and leave a rating and a review. My single purpose for making this podcast is that it helps us, the music therapists of today, to think clearly and carefully about what we do. I hope today's episode has given you something valuable to consider for your work and your practice. Thank you.